for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! Welcome in to the Blitz podcast. Uh, it's been a minute, another minute since we did the last pod. Uh, we've had some engage eights out this week, but damn, we have been slacking. But there is no better time to return to the fold than Super Wildcard Weekend that starts tomorrow, as of this recording on Friday night around six o'clock. Um, so yeah, it's a good time to be back. It's the first pod that us three have done together in multiple months um but how we feeling to be back mitch i'll start with you feeling good in the playoffs i mean the last time i was talking it was kind of up in the air i feel like the entire franchise was in turmoil i mean mike williams is out but we're we're on the up and up we have a chance we got the easiest matchup of division winners so i'm hopeful at this point but they'll probably rip my heart out so ask me in about two days and You'll find out. <laughs> I copped this uh, this retro hat from my father over break, uh, just to try to remember the uh, the good times of this franchise. You know, I'll call it retro because I don't want to get banned. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to bring back some of the good uh, mojo because my team is not in the playoffs. But we have another fella in here who has a uh, team slated to at least try to get their hand in the Super Bowl, and that is the Minnesota Vikings, Tyler North's very own. Tyler, how are we feeling about that? Nervous, but uh, but good. I mean, this whole season's been an absolute roller coaster ride. Um, I mean, 11-0 and in one possession games is <clears throat> absolutely crazy. You know, you look at the Bills game, you look at the Giants game, the Saints in in uh, in London, you look at the Redskins game. Uh, just so many games the entire season that's been up and down, up and down. But um, happy to be here as far as me being here on the pod, but also Vikings in the playoffs. Um, you think Riverboat Ron knows that the Redskins are officially eliminated, or you think he's waiting for this week's? Game? No, I shouldn't do that to you. I'm sorry. It's been too long. Boys. It's been too long. <laughs> Wait, you mean to tell me FedEx Field wasn't up for that AFC Championship game, like the hosting <laughs> opportunity? He thought that was them. Stop. We're coming in. We're coming in guns blazing today. But um, no, I'm I'm stoked to be back on the pod. Yeah, it's been freaking forever, boys. I know that you guys have had finals and Mitch's in in PT school, and he's got a whole bunch that he's doing on his end. I got engaged and moved across the country, um, so I'm back in Maryland now. But it's been it's been a wild uh, month, I guess, I guess a little bit over a month uh, since I've hopped on. So amped to be back for sure. Yeah, me as well. I mean, I yeah, especially that. Like I said, there's no other better time to be hopping in than right before Super Wild Card Weekend if you're gonna do it. Uh, so yeah, I'm fucking hype. But before we dive into our preview for uh, Super Wildcard Weekend, as it is known, uh, let's cover some, uh, cover some of the news that came out uh, post-regular season um, that's come out over the past week or so. Um, we'll do it in the, usually we do our key takeaway segment at the end of the episode uh, going into next week, um, but we're just going to kind of use it as a notes segment today or news segment today. Um, but yeah, so without further ado, let's dive into it. And the first set of news broke just a couple hours ago, 
and it is that after long consideration, head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay, who just won a Super Bowl last year, and they couldn't have taken a deeper fall going into this year. Um, but he has decided to stay with the Rams. Definitely could have taken a TV job. He got offered money by Amazon last year. Um, so that was definitely on the table. But he decides to come back with the Rams. Um, so what are our initial thoughts on that, boys? Tyler, I'll start with you, man. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised. I thought he was going to go into TV. Uh, I, I think it's more surprising that he came back than not. Um, it bodes well for the Rams. It bodes well for some of the pieces that they're trying to keep there, you know, such as Stafford. I mean, Stafford's probably there, but like Cooper Cup might have been a trade target. Jalen Ramsey might have been a trade target. Aaron Donald, who knows what's going to happen there. But I would imagine all of those pieces are going to come back with McVay back at the helm. They don't have a lot of cap space. They don't have a lot of draft picks. So they got to work with what they got. You got to imagine the offensive line is going to be healthier than what it was this year. And Cooper Cup was out half the year. Matt Stafford was out half the year. Those guys are going to be coming back. I don't know if they're going to win that division because the 49ers, top to bottom, are just so freaking good. And Seattle's coming along pretty strong, too. But I do think that they'll be competing for a playoff spot next year for sure. Yeah, I probably agree with you there. I mean, it's hard to imagine a playoff scenario for the Rams after such a dismal season this year. Uh, Got to throw out some of our classic uh, podcast words, you know, have been on here Stamp in a while. Stamp the bingo card for yeah, that one. Exactly. <laughs> I, will, I, I will say this. Every year we have a team that goes from worst to first, and they're probably one of my picks to do that next year just because of the caliber of the team. This year it was the Jags. Um, but, yeah, we, we have it happen every year. So it's going to happen next year. You just don't know who it's going to be. But right now I would probably lean toward the Rams as a favorite um, to do that. So – We'll see. Maybe the Jets, but I, I can't see them overtaking the Bills. But those are probably my two hot teams right now that I would think that would be that were in last place that might take over the division. Yeah, for sure. I think the Rams are definitely in that conversation. Um, but one thing, I mean, McVay's offense doesn't look as dazzling as McVay's offense once did. Uh, really, it's got, I mean, Tyler, you've been singing it from the rooftops for a long time now. It's one guy. It is Cooper Cup. That is it. That is the offense, and it seems like they started to f they figured that out uh, this season, and the Rams really struggled because of it. So, what kind of adjustments do you see Sean McVay making going into next year, if at all any? Mitch, I'll start with you, man. Well, I think that now that Cam Akers kind of looks like Cam Akers of old, that's going to open up a lot more because nobody respected that running game those first few weeks when he was in there. He clearly was not the same player or on the level of health he needed to be going into the year. He didn't look explosive. He couldn't make the cuts he needed to. But these last four or five weeks, he's looked great. And I think that's just going to lead into momentum into next year. This team only has draft picks to work with. If they hit on one offensive lineman in the draft, they're actually going to be competitive. And like Tyler said, they're going to be competing for a playoff spot. I think San Fran's obviously the number one. They have Trent Williams, McCaffrey, Debo, Kittle. That offense is loaded, and the defense isn't going oh, anywhere man. either. But this Rams team could be scary. And I think it's all going to be based around a little bit of play action. Because they had, when Stafford was in there, nobody respected the run game, like I said. And it's only going to open up more for Cooper Cup. And he might actually be able to work with Allen Robinson now. Because Robinson's one of those receivers 
that he just needs time for his routes to develop. And I think it could be massive for this team to actually have a true running game this year. Yeah, I think one of the other things with Cam Akers is the departure of Daryl Henderson. As much as it was Cam Akers getting healthy, I think it was a confidence boost for him to be like, hey, we're going to go with you. Show me what you got. This is your running back room, which, look, all throughout the season, I hyped up Kyron Williams. I had him stashed on my bench all year, and he had every opportunity to overtake this running back room, and he just didn't. So I do think, you know, Cam Akers is what they're going to be going with in the future. And, and I agree with Mitch, you know, if they can hit on one offensive lineman, they could be a really good team because the defense is still solid. Like, it's not what it was, I think, from the Super Bowl, but it's still pretty damn good. Receivers, you know, you talk about Allen Robinson, maybe we'll get something from him next year. I don't think OBJ is going to be coming walking through those doors after what we've seen him doing on planes here lately. So I think you got to roll with what you've got, and I still think you've got a really strong nucleus. Yeah, for sure. A nucleus that just last year won the whole fucking thing, you know? So there's proven success there. Sean McVay looks to repeat upon that going into next year as he uh, takes a takes a break on his TV deal that will be waiting for him once he leaves his coaching career. Uh, but let's move on to the next topic uh, to discuss from this week. And we all saw it. Aaron Rodgers on Sunday night past week lost to the Lions. And they could have won and got into the playoffs. They end up losing. Um, Tyler, I'm sure you took some personal satisfaction to that. Uh, usually. Yeah, yes and no. I mean, I had the Packers Other than the Super, the Super Bowl. Bowl and, well, and I, and I had them plus 880 to make the playoffs. So I had very good odds on them to make the playoffs. Um, but, yeah, I'm if I'm going to lose that way, I'm going to be happy because the Packers are now out and. It might have been Rogers' last game, you know, chatting with Jamison Williams on the field. Williams asking for his jersey and him being like, oh, I think I'm going to keep this one. Who knows what it means? He always, he's always a psychological mastermind, in my opinion, because he always likes to plant these seeds and get people talking and get people thinking. And then he's going to do exactly what he wants to do. And right now, I, I think he's coming back. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think it's all a ploy. It's all everybody to hype up in the offseason. Oh, what's Rodgers going to do? Is he going to come back? He's not getting along with management again. Maybe LaFleur isn't great. All this stuff, and he'll be back next year. Yeah, I mean, it sure seems like that with how we've seen things play out with Aaron Rodgers recently uh, over the past few years. Um, but, I mean, like you said, he's a psychological master. I mean, he went out. He couldn't have done a more storybook pose with putting his arm around Randall Cobb and them walking off the field together through the tunnel. I mean, that just seems like the classic, hey, this is the last time I'm walking off Lambeau Field, yada, yada, yada. Um, but we go into this week. I think it's Cobb's. I think it's Cobb's last game. <laughs> so maybe, but 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 <laughs> I knew. But you you know, Rogers knew the cameras were going to be watching him doing that, and everybody was going to be looking at him. And yes, I think it's Cobb's last game. Him. Yeah, exactly. It's it's all it's all clickbait, man. It's all for show. It's all a smoke he screen, knows. and he's going to be right back. He knows how to pull the media's heartstrings. That's just what Aaron Rodgers does. He's not leaving. But at the same time. I don't know what they do with Jordan Love either. He's going into fourth him. year. They have to decide the fifth year at this point, and they're going to be on the hook for first-round quarterback money on a fifth year, which is like $25 million on that fifth-year option, and Rodgers, because they have to push off this contract that he has. It's going to be rough. It's going to be a hard decision to make for the Packers. Yeah, and another thing you got to look at is uh, there's guys that – 
aren't going to come back, it seems like. Like, Alan Lazard, I don't know if you saw his post-game interview. He was so passionate yeah. about it. <laughs> like, and he seemed to be the most, outside of maybe Aaron Jones, uh, he seemed to be the most trustworthy set of hands that... Uh, Watson. Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a play drawn up. Down the stretch. Trustworthy hands, yeah. maybe not Watson. Explosive Watson. Especially, like, down... Yeah, but Rodgers... But, okay, but but trust... Maybe not trustworthy, but, like, trustworthy for Rodgers to throw to. Like, like to make a play, yeah. Rodgers really cool. developed that chemistry, which is all back to this whole thing where if Rodgers decides, oh, I'm not going to go to training camp and I'm not going to show up to OTAs and all of that... The chemistry is going to hurt again, and that's what we saw this year. He could do it with Devontae Adams, but you can't do it when you've got all these rookie receivers such as Dobbs and Watson and all coming in and trying to implement all these new pieces. They started to catch steam. You saw as the season went on, it was just a little bit too late. But, yeah, it, I can't see the guy going anywhere. I just – I don't. Like, the, everything – as being a Vikings fan, I've seen this shit for the last two to three years, and it's just so annoying – we're, he has accomplished his mission. We are sitting here talking before Super Bowl, Super Wild Card Weekend. We're talking about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers who have been eliminated from the playoffs. Why? Because Aaron Rodgers has wanted us to talk about him, and here we are doing it. Yeah, for sure. He's a mastermind at playing the media uh, to his narratives, for sure. Um, but right before we move on from the topic, uh, any off-the-dome destinations, if Rodgers does end up Voiding his contract after this year and headed somewhere else. Yeah, I got one. I think one guy might move, which opens up a spot here. Tampa. Uh, Tampa. <laughs> oh, I was going to say Vegas to get back with Adams. That's possible. I think Brady might go to Vegas. Ooh. And I think Rodgers goes to Tampa. <laughs> Just big swap. That makes sense because Rodgers or Brady wants to get in the ownership level. And I feel like. Vegas being a newer franchise that you have much more likelihood at getting in on an ownership piece. They got the Davises, though, who are poor at this point, apparently. They can't even afford to fire Josh McDaniels. I don't think it matters where Brady goes when looking at front offices because every single front office is going to want him, Mm -hmm. besides maybe New England. Mm. But is this still Brady? I don't know. And we'll get into more of that later I mean, when we decide the games. He might want to go to the Jets. He obviously had interest in Miami. And he clearly wants to get back at Belichick. That might be his spot. I think Roger's going to San Fran. Lots lot to consider. San Fran makes a lot of sense. <laughs> there really <to> is. <laughs> San Fran makes a lot of sense. Uh, I mean, if Brock Purdy's the guy, I mean, that's great. But Aaron Rodgers is the, the guy. So if you bring a guy like Aaron Rodgers in, he went to Cal. He's a California kid. You bring him over to San Fran with Kyle Shanahan, and they finally get – I mean, this is a championship-winning team right now. The only thing they're missing is quarterback, and we've said that for a long time now. So maybe Brock Purdy is that quarterback that they've been looking for, but that remains to be seen. But All right, let's move on uh, to – Seattle is seeing team as well. Um, because I could see them going after both Brady and Rodgers for this Northern California impact. One or the other, one or the other. I, like, I could see them making a push for one or the other. Um, you've got a, a young budding line. You've got a strong back. You've got a good receiving core. You've got a defense kind of on the up and up um, as well. There are a couple pieces away from, from really being a competitive team, and you get to go to San Fran every year, which is where Brady and Rodgers, I believe Rodgers is from there as well, right? They're both from there. I think there. so, yeah. Yeah, so they so they get to go back home, and 
it's only like an hour private jet from San from the San Fran area to Seattle. So all the Northern California people would come up to Seattle to watch games too. There's a lot as far as geographically speaking that makes sense for both those guys. Yeah, for sure. And as we watch uh, over the past like two off seasons, we uh, wait in anticipation for where Aaron Rodgers shows up. Um, but yeah, let's uh, move on to our next topic. Uh, Lamar put out some interesting tweets just last night. Um, this morning, he was officially ruled out for Sunday. Uh, but the Ravens seem to be very uh, non-informative uh, when it came to Lamar's injury for a while there. And it seemed like there might have been some strategy behind it. Um, but yeah, he took to Twitter to completely explain his whole situation. He's got a slight PCL tear. That's up to grade three, I believe. Um, but the Ravens didn't really reveal any of that information. And it seems as though that they would withhold that info to kind of create the narrative that Lamar was sitting out because he wants to get paid, yada, yada, yada. Like he can play. Like I think they kind of wanted to create those seeds um, among the media to start talking about that because this is how the game is played nowadays, you know. So how do you think Lamar being out this week affects his contract? Because obviously, I think the Ravens, obviously the Ravens go down this week. We all have the Ravens going down. So I know, I know. I mean, yeah. It's scary to say. Spoiler alert, we're going to come to that later, but I got to imagine like him announcing the level of his injury shows that he didn't give up on the team, which is kind of what Harbaugh was somewhat insinuating at this point. Him being so vague, saying we're taking it day by day, week by week. It's still inflamed, showing him in the training room and stuff like that. It's He was kind of scapegoating Lamar, and he was throwing him under the bus at the same time. I think either Harbaugh or Lamar goes this offseason, but I think this keeps Lamar just at about face level where he was because it was a grade two bordering on grade three was what they said for the level of his sprain in his PCL. And if the grade three sprain is bad enough, you actually have to get surgery on it because you're bordering on fully torn. And him announcing that it's as bad as it is, it's not a good look for hardball. But at the same time, it's a matter of how much you want to pay the running back, the running quarterback at this point. But I think Lamar's proved he's well worth the value. We've watched Tyler Huntley, and we've watched Anthony Brown at the same time. This offense can't run without him. He just provides a different element that some quarterbacks can't do. And I think he should be fine. There's going to be the same people who saying, you can't pay your running quarterback, just dump through him at the same time. Once they start getting hurt, you can't pay him. But I think he is pretty solidified at where he's going to get paid. Well, this has happened back-to-back years, though, where he's been injured down the stretch, um, which is definitely a cause for concern. I agree with the statement that either Harbaugh or Lamar is gone, maybe both. Um, but I, I think that Harbaugh relaying the messages that he was relaying during the press conferences is – I think that the front office is feeding Harbaugh the information that he has to say. And Harbaugh knows what the truth is, but Harbaugh can't reveal it. But he wants to give off as much as he can to the public and to Ravens fans to let them know, hey – hint, hint, this is not good. Like, he's not going to come back um, for this playoff game. But he couldn't come out and just flat out say that because the front office didn't want him to say that because of, like you said, it it looks better 
for the Ravens' mind because maybe fans will think, oh, maybe Lamar's just sitting out and holding out for a contract and he doesn't want to get re-injured. So it's a, it's, a, it's a big cat and mouse game is exactly what's going on right now. I, As far as the contract is concerned, I Kyler Murray's contract is, is kind of what I'm looking at, maybe a little bit more um, when it comes to Lamar. I don't think he gets to the Deshaun Watson deal. That deal has blown up already. I know it's only been one season, but Mike, he did not look good in my opinion. Like, I did not. Did we I know expect that, him to look good, though? I, I mean, I with a pretty good offensive line, with a really good running back, with a decent wide receiver one, a pretty decent tight end. Yeah, I would expect him to start. With to no chemistry, like, though. He didn't right, get to practice why, with them for 12 weeks. But by, like, week 16, 17, 18, I would have expected something. I would have expected, like, a 300-yard game from him. We got nothing from him. Deshaun. So I we think got that Cleveland James... weather too. <laughs> All right. Touche. Touche. But I think that teams have learned that we can't give quarterbacks this type of contract. Um, and I think that this is a learning experience. Unfortunately, Browns had to set the precedent. But that's why I don't think that Lamar can get anywhere near that type of contract. But a Kyler Murray deal, I think, is well in reach for him. Are the Ravens going to give it to him? I don't know. Does the Roquan signing have an effect on that? Possibly as well. But I think that. The Ravens front office probably gave Harbaugh an ultimatum, which was, if you release the actual information and the injury news about Lamar, you're fired. Yeah, no. I feel I, like I, I feel like that that is something. That. I think that there, I think that there is some, a lot of underlying issues going on right now between the Harbaugh and and the front office. Yeah, for sure. I mean, when negotiating a contract of this magnitude, especially considering that Lamar is negotiating his own fucking contract. Like, it makes a lot of sense for the Ravens to be playing this the way that they are. Because this is just, if you're going to, if he's negotiating his old deal and he's going through social media to basically, like, proctor his deal, like, I mean, the Ravens are going to play the same kind of ball, you know? So it makes a lot of sense. The only issue is he doesn't have an agent telling him what he can and can't tweet saying, oh, no, you can't release your own injury info. That's something that they completely forgot about and just overlooked when they realized oh wait he could just say it no one's gonna say don't say what your injury is exactly so it'll be interesting to see how it plays out um it see another thing you mentioned kyler's deal and he probably gets a similar one yeah that's probably true but i mean the kyler murray contract doesn't look that great after the first year either you know yeah but i think i think lamar is better than kyler yeah so i think he gets a bigger established Oh, I don't know because of he's the earned injuries. it. He's at least of what's earned happened it. the last two years is why I'm a little bit skeptical on it because he has been injured down the stretch of both years, back to back years. One time in the pocket though, this this last one was a pocket quarterback type of injury. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you at all, but when you are a running style quarterback and you have two injuries that basically complete your season and your season in back to back years, you got to start to raise some of the flags, whether or not they're freak injuries or not. You know. He, I'm not going to say the guy's injury prone, but I am going to say that he is at higher risk of an injury. For sure. I don't think anybody in the league can uh, deny that. So, yeah, we'll see how it plays out over the next – I don't see it figure, being figured out over the next few weeks for sure, but, I mean, deep in the offseason, uh, maybe possibly right before training camp like Kyler's deal, uh, we will see. Could happen around the draft. It could happen around the draft. Yeah, they got to make moves at that point, I think. If he's not budging – Trade, sign and trade, do the Devontae Adams type of thing where you give him the franchise tag and then dump him off. Well, and we know how good the Ravens are at drafting. Yeah. 
That's very they killed true. it this year. Yep. Hamilton, Linderbaum, and Ajabo. Yeah. He showed I mean, out last week. Yep. He looked really good last week after he's he's finally back from injury now. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, for sure. And it'll be interesting to see like if Lamar does leave, where does that leave the Ravens? Because they haven't gone into a rebuild sort of mode in a long time since the Super Bowl. You know, so it'll, it's kind of a new era if Lamar does leave in Baltimore. It'll be interesting to watch. Uh, but let's dive into the last thing that I want to talk about here, and it is DeAndre Hopkins, nuke himself, uh, after Cliff Kingsbury was let go by the Cardinals and AJ Kime, Um Steve Kime. I don't know why I said AJ Kime. Uh But CJ Steve- Klein? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say AJ Klein was yeah. a lineman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think I was AJ Hinch. I don't know why I was thinking about that. That's the manager. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I was uh, like, you trying to say the uh, the uh, the the uh, Chiefs defensive coordinator was Rich Spagnolia, <laughs> Steve. <laughs> You've done that a couple of times, I will say. Yeah, I have. I have. Um, I I just need to SS Steve Spagnolia. It's like easy, but I don't know. It fucks me up. But yeah. So uh, after. Both the top executives in Arizona are headed out of town. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, some trade rumors started to float about on Bleacher Report, Twitter, etc. And then not too long after that, DeAndre Hopkins posts a goodbye message on his Instagram, uh, basically thanking Cardinals fans for everything. Uh, so it seems like Nuke is headed to a new place to play football. Um, any possible destinations that pop off off the top of your head? Um, I think things are so, like, there's a lot of question marks about where quarterbacks are going to end up right now that I don't have, a, like, a home run destination off the top of my head. Uh, but what do you guys think? Oh, I do. Uh, I think it was, I, I'll just say the one that I'm thinking of, and that's all I'll need to say, and that's the Patriots. Ooh, very true. Saw his conversation Bel- Belichick with Belichick. Yep. Belichick loves him. They're in need of a wide receiver. They've got Devontae Parker, Jacoby. Myers, Tyquan Thornton. I mean, nothing that really stands out. Somebody from Mac Jones to throw it to. I think that would put them back. They were right in the wild card race this year. I think it definitely puts them a little bit higher next year. I don't know if about Chicago because I don't Just know they if they're in the, the win space. now. <laughs> well, I don't know if they're in the win now mode, though. That's the thing with Hopkins. It's yeah. like Hopkins is getting up there in age where it's like, I'm not going to go to a team that's rebuilding. Ravens have enough quarterback questions right now that who knows what happens there. So I think New England, in my opinion, is a slam dunk. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And uh, for any of those of you that saw the conversation between uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Belichick when they played this season, it seems like they both have a lot of admiration for each other. Definitely could be a possible destination. Also, like, I've seen clips of Nuke, uh, especially in Hard Knocks, where he talks a lot about his legacy. Like, he wants people to remember, like, DeAndre Hopkins. And... He's, like, really concerned about that. Like, it was multiple times that he brought it up. And he hasn't gotten that ring. He hasn't gotten that playoff success. And he could go to a place like New England where that they have the blueprint for it. And if you pop into a system like Belichick's, I think good things could happen. But, uh, Mitch, what do you think? Off the top of the dome, two teams that I feel I could use them the most. One is the Ravens, but they're mm. not going to get them. They're going to go for Alan Lazard because he's a run blocker. Even though Hopkins has said how much he's he's willing to block if he has to, but $30 million on the cap, if you have any dream of keeping Lamar, he's not going there. The other team, the New York Giants. 
who are craving receivers, and they have cap space. They have cap space at the moment. It's just Giants, a Giants makes a lot of sense. That that would be a match made in heaven if they can get Jones, if they can get Carr, any veteran, and that team turns into probably a division favorite almost because Dayball is there. If you have a competent quarterback that's not Daniel Jones, you can give him some receiver. We've seen what he can do with absolutely nothing. Now give him one of the top receivers in the game. I'd still take Philly. I'd probably still take Dallas, too. Top to bottom on paper. Not Dallas. I'm with you on Philly, not Dallas. Philly's kind of running low on contract time, though. They're going to lose Bradbury. They have a lot of retirement potential. You got Kelsey. You got Fletcher Cox. It's only a matter of time before it catches up with them. Miles Sanders is leaving. They're going to have to draft a running back probably at this point unless they want to pay a running back, which seems a little absurd. There's plenty of running back depth in this draft, so they'll probably draft someone instead. But They could use that first-round pick and take Bijan from the Saints. I think Howie is – of the GM mindset of not using a first on a running back. You can yeah, find I mean, a competent guy behind, even without Kelsey, that is a good enough offensive line to not worry. Cause you're going to have Cam Jurgens come in. He's going to be good. He's going to have some kinks to work out, obviously, cause it's going to be his first time with the offensive line, but that any running back in the second and third would be great for them. Yeah. Like a Gibbs or an Evans or something like that. Gibbs on that team. Oh my gosh. That would just be unfair. Yeah. Gibbs or Bijan. Honestly, any of the top running backs would be unfair. And they've already got I mean, will Miles Sanders stick around? I mean, he's this is contract yeah. here, so he's probably headed out, I guess. He did a little too well this year, I think, for them to keep him. Yeah. Probably. Someone's gonna overpay. <clears throat> All right, boys. Well, that just about does it for our news from this week and the key takeaways from that. Uh but Let's dive into our weekend preview. Super Wildcard Weekend is upon us. Let's go over our Saturday previews first. And uh, we've got our graphics up here for our entire playoff predictions. Uh, but we're going to go through each of our graphics, break it down for the Super Wildcard Weekend winners, and then we'll break down the rest of our brackets. Uh, but to start, let's talk about the first Saturday matchup, and that is the Seahawks at the 49ers. Um, San Fran is favored minus nine in this game. Um, these teams have, they are in the same division. So they've played uh, two games that, so far this year. Uh, the first game was in week two. 49ers blew them out 27 to seven. And then more recently, uh, the 49ers beat Seattle in Seattle 21 to 13. So if that tells us anything, the 49ers are looking good. Uh, the 49ers have had a hell of a stretch. Uh, the last like six games or so with Brock Purdy, he's really starting to look like a guy. Um, but the Seahawks happen to sneak into the playoffs, man, uh, with the Lions' loss and it, with the Lions not winning. Or no, 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 not the Lions not winning. Lions the, winning, Packers losing. Yeah, with the Lions winning and the Packers losing, uh, the Seahawks unexpectedly end up getting into the playoffs. Um, but yeah, this this kind of looks like a, a blowout matchup on the slate. I've personally got the 49ers, and I will take them on the spread. I don't think you could doubt any of what they're doing right now. Um, but, yeah, I'll toss it to Tyler for any of the breakdowns that you got, my man. Yes, so um, I've got the 49ers winning this game as well. I think it, it could be close. 
I don't necessarily love the spread. I think nine and a half is a lot in a playoff game and in a playoff game against a divisional opponent. The couple things that I will say, so you mentioned it, 49ers outscored Seahawks 48 to 20 in the two games. Um, in those two games, Geno Smith averaged 217 yards. Um, in the other games against all other teams, Geno Smith averaged 265 passing yards. So a big drop off when he played the 49ers. 49ers 7-1 and ATS at home as a favorite this year, including five straight covers. So that bodes well for the 49ers. Um, Purdy, this is one thing that I'm going to be looking at is some of the defensive coverages that he's going to make. I mean, that he's going to be faced up against. Purdy was 11 for 12 against zone looks, but 6 of 14 in man looks the last time they played. So you'd imagine that Seattle's going to go with more man. However, the Tariq Woolen injury, I don't know how that's going to affect that. And the last thing I'm going to say, um, Pete Carroll's playing some damn mind games. Him coming out and saying, oh, it sucks we have to play the 49ers this week. You know he's hyping that up. He's telling his team, you have no chance. You're not going to win this game. It could work out. I just think that they're just completely overmatched by this 49ers team. I think the 49ers probably win by 10, something in the 27-17 type range um, is probably what I'm looking at. But that's so close, you know, that nine and a half is where that half point comes into play. But I do think 49ers do pull out the victory. Uh, Mitch, what do you got? I think that one sneaky thing in this game could be that Ryan Neal is coming back for the Seahawks. He was PFF's top-graded safety. Take that as much as you want. But it could kind of cover up George Kill a little more than this streak he's been on because he has been insane as of lately. But Debo Samuel's also coming back at the same time. And with Tariq Woolen a little banged up, I, I just don't see a way for Seattle to come back into this and win. The spread might be attainable because they might come out fired up, come up a little, and then Kyle Shanahan just works his magic. I think there's just so much firepower going for San Fran. They've probably got the defensive player of the, defensive player of the year on one side and maybe even offensive rookie of the year on the other side with Brock Purdy, who's been clicking lately. I just think the cards are in San Fran's deck in this game, and as feisty as Seattle has been this year, I think the Cinderella story is going to end. Real quick, one thing I will say about Kittle. The last time they played, he had four catches, 93 yards, and two touchdowns. So, yeah, they're going to have to definitely account for him to have any chance in this game. Yeah, yeah, and another person they're going to have to account for, Debo, who uh, just last week came back fully healthy. Um, he looked really good in his return. So, honestly, I like it as a player prop. Uh, we we should go ahead and mention some of the props that we got in this game. Um, but yeah, I think I like Debo over three and a half catches for sure. If you can wrap that, um, but I also love his over on receiving yards of 42 and a half. And then his rushing yards, I believe is 12, 15, something like that, Tyler, right? 13 and a half is what it was. And yeah, the, the, so what we're going to be doing this week, just so our listeners are aware is we're going to be doing three separate parlays. One that's going to have our favorite spread of the week. Um, one that's going to have our favorite anytime touchdown score. And then one that's going to have our um, our favorite prop bet. And for this game, um, I know Jaden loves George Kittle to score a touchdown. And then Jaden also likes the 49ers minus nine and a half. And then Kane, I know that you like Debo over 42 and a half receiving yards. So those are the three things as a podcast that we're going to be looking out for in this game as well. Yeah, for sure. I like and, Debo a lot. And don't get... 
and don't get carried away with the parlays. You know, we put them out there because this is our, our best thought, but we're probably going to put like, I don't know, 2 to $3 each, maximum $5 each on this. So it's not going to be anything extreme, and we don't want you to do anything extreme with this. But, hey, if we can make somebody a little bit of money, we'd love to do it. Yeah, you guys didn't put a thousand down. <laughs> <laughs> the only one invested out here. But yeah, like just uh, just throw a couple bucks down. That's the whole point of why we throw a parlay together is so that you can throw a couple bucks together and make some decent cash from it. Um, but yeah, exactly. So that's the play. That's the one player prop that I really like this week. Uh, Debo over forty two and a half receiving yards, given that he's back fully healthy. Um, in this game, and yeah, I think the 49ers are absolutely going to trample the Seahawks at home, and I don't think there's much more that needs to be said. Cool. Alright, well, for the next game on Saturday, I will toss it to our very own in-house Chargers fan, and that is Mitchell McDonald for the Chargers at the Jags. Uh, the spread right now is sitting at minus one and a half. Um, on a scale from 1 to 10, how pissed are you about the whole Mike Williams situation? I mean, I wouldn't have been as pissed if he hadn't, like, blatantly lied about the situation. He said, oh, it's just a contusion. Everything we saw was negative on x-rays, CT scans, and everything. But clearly, that was wrong because he has a lumbar fracture. And... Mike Williams has a history of back issues. He's had disc herniations. He just blatantly lied, gave the fans some sort of, like, comfort. When we shouldn't have. We should have known better, knowing this team. But if we don't win this game, I'm completely done with him. I I am going to win either way because I think they will fire him at this point if he doesn't win this game. And then we get Sean Payton, who they're pretty much drooling over. But in terms of injuries, that is about the only big one. Slater's gearing up to come back. If we make it through this game, Slater's going to be back. And I've watched a few videos of him practicing. He looks ready. He looks like he could probably go this week if absolutely necessary, but Staley's not going to do that. And then on the Jag side, they have a bunch of people questionable, like Brandon Sheriff. But Cam Robinson, their starting left tackle, he is out. He's been out for a couple weeks. And Walker Little... At left tackle, it kind of showed last week. Trevor Lawrence wasn't as comfortable as he wanted to be against the Titans defense. We'll see just how good Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, and Kyle Van Noy can be. I know Kyle Van Noy is not an intimidating name, but in the past five games, he's had a sack in every game. And he's he a veteran presence around. in a playoff game. Yes. He has completely turned it around on this defense. He held a meeting with that defense after the Raiders game and they completely flip the switch. I think it could be a pretty interesting game. I don't think it'll be high scoring. If the under is more than 45, I'd be shaky on it at this point because that's just not the way Joe Lombardi calls plays. And with Mike Williams out, we expect a lot of dink and dunk stuff. Completions on Herbert, take the over. Yards on Herbert, eh. We'll see how much of a shootout it is at that point, but... I give our 47 and a half. 47. Yeah, I'd go under on that. I don't think it's going to be a barn burner by any means. It's probably going to be like a 24 20 type of game, which puts you right by there. You're not as comfortable, but I think we handle business. That last game where we played them, we were missing Lindsley. Herbert had just fractured the rib. We lost Slater mid game. We lost Bosa mid game. We lost Guyton mid game. Keenan wasn't even in the game. And Keenan is at least going to be there this game. 
and they do not have very good slot corner presence. That is about the one weak spot of their secondary is slot corner. And if we have Keenan out there, I feel at least a little bit confident we can have guaranteed yards. And with Donald Parham and Gerald Everett working in the middle, I think we can get what we need. We just need to make it through this week and hope by some miracle of a chance Mike Williams can recover and recuperate and Slater will be back regardless next week. Fair enough. Tyler, what you got, man? Oh, man, this is a, a great game. Um, from a unbiased fan standpoint, you've got two. It really playing. might be the best game of the weekend, like close. Yeah, yeah. Well, not only that, but I just think some of the storylines, like these are two teams that people like to root for. Like these are just, these are two budding quarterbacks that are on the precipice of, of being great in this league. Probably Herbert's got a little bit more of an edge than Lawrence, but both are, you know, trending in the right direction. A couple things really quickly. Lawrence has five turnovers his last four games. That's something that that does worry me. Um, I will say he did get kind of his playoff jitters out of the way last week, which both of these guys are making their playoff debut this week. Um, you know, with Mike Williams out, one guy that I think is really sticking out to me is, is really going to explode this year, I mean explode this week, is Gerald Everett. Jags give up the fourth most points to opposing tight ends as far as fantasy points are concerned. With Mike Williams out, I got to imagine that this is going to be kind of a safety blanket for Herbert. Parham's going to be there as well, so I'd imagine they'll mix in Parham as well. Um, Keenan Allen, going to be Herbert's love on third down. That's going to be his guy to go to on third down. Uh, in the last four games, Keenan Allen has caught 10 of 13 targets on third down, which is equated for seven first downs. So Herbert loves going to him on third down. Uh, the other thing that I'm going to go ahead and throw out here, Cameron Dicker. He's made Special three, teams player of the month. three game-winning kicks this year. I think this is going to come down to a field goal game. I trust him, weirdly enough, more than I trust Patterson. Patterson's hurt. Patterson's hurt. That's huge. He's been I didn't even know Patterson. There's been an injury. Their long snapper's hurt, too. I didn't mention that either. That could end up being something huge. Absolutely. They're on a backup kicker and long snapper. Football's if three they phases. Don't go. Football's three phases. Offense, defense, special teams. Special teams in the playoffs is enormous. Um, so I think that that is something that, that really could be well. And one little stat that I'll give out, two, two stats, one stat, one, um, one little betting nugget. Christian Kirk has 18, 800, 815 yards from the slot this season, which is the second most in the NFL. But the Chargers have allowed the fourth fewest points to slot receivers, or fourth fewest yards, excuse me, to slot receivers this season. So you've got the second best at the slot position against the fourth best defense from the slot position. Something's got to give here. Which team is going to be able to take better advantage of that opportunity, I think, is going to be the, the more victorious team. I think we kind of let up a lot last week, too, because we've rested Bryce Callahan and let Jasir Taylor go out there, and Jerry Judy got enough slot snaps to, like, scorch him. Yep. A six-round rookie, it, it kind of ate us up when we didn't have a starter in there. I do have the Chargers here. Chargers are 4-0-1 ATS uh, the last five games with three straight covers. So they are clicking and they are hot at the right time. I think they get past this game. Man, I wanted to, I want to take them against Kansas City, which we'll hop into a little bit earlier. Um, but real quick, the props that we have for this game, Mitch loves Christian Kirk under 57 and a half. I just touched on that, you know, going up in the slot against a good slot defensive team. Um, and then we have Austin Eckler to score a touchdown. Uh, those are our two props. But Kane, what do you got? Uh, what do you got on tap for this dandy of a game on Saturday night? Duval is going to be rocking. 
Fuck yeah, it is, man. I'm looking forward to uh, watching the two long-haired quarterbacks duel it out uh, for the first time Use ever on their stage, head. you know? Like, it, it'll be good to see. Uh, but yeah, I have to go against the grain here. I'm going with the Jags in this one. Um, if you look at it, I mean, you mentioned all the injuries earlier in the year. But the Chargers did lose to the Jags earlier this year. And you mentioned how hot the Chargers are. They are very hot. But the Jags are hotter, man. Like, they have won seven of their last nine games, which is absolutely fucking balling out. And the Chargers have won one, two, three, four, five out of their last eight. So, yeah, that is not as hot as the Jags I mean, are right the, now. The Jags had to back in, though. They got zero first downs in that fourth fourth quarter against the Titans, against Josh, Josh Dobbs. Yeah. No, that, that but was the only reason why was him. To beat <laughs> the Titans twice, though, down the stretch, Brable's team, but a former coach of the year just last year, to beat them twice in pretty convincing fashion. You know, I know that the last game was pretty close. Um, but I wouldn't say convincing yeah. for this last game, but the game before, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I to beat the Titans twice down the stretch is impressive to say the least. Um, like I said, they're hot as fuck right now. And the Chargers, there's no Mike Will, you know, and I don't think like there's gotta be a bad vibe in that building right now. Like I know that has nothing to do with happens on the field, but like Staley's being berated all over social media for playing Mike Williams last week, and rightfully so. You know, and there's got to be guys in that building that are like, hey, what the fuck, man? Why did we play Mike Will last week and we're going into the playoffs this week and now we're without him? Like, there's got to be guys in the building that are questioning that. You know Staley's on his last legs. If he doesn't win this game, he's guaranteed to be fired. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. So I don't like the vibe in L.A. right now. They also just came off a loss against the Broncos to end the year. With their starters in the game? It's like, oh. I mean, we benched him at the end when we had a shot. I mean, Chase Daniels was in there, for Pete's sake. We, we, we lost by three, and we had two possessions with Chase Daniels when Herbert, the only misses he had were drops, I think. There was, like, a handful where we had to throw away, and DeAndre Carter, your boy, fumbled one, let one go right through his hands. <laughs> but why were, why were the Broncos in that game at all? At all? Fumbles. Chargers we had there. two fumbles in crucial territory. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, yeah, the starters are out there, but like psychologically, like we, we were checked were... out. We were so checked out of that game. The only person that was in that was Herbert, and Herbert was dialed in. <laughs> yeah. And if we see Herbert dialed in this week, which we were very likely to see, like it's good shit could situations. happen. You know, but it's do or die situations. He looked great against the Raiders. It's just I also think the the thirty eight to ten loss bodes well for the Chargers in the sense that pissed they're pissed they're like yeah. this team beat us and beat the shit out of us and we know we're a better team than what was put on the field that day and I that's mean, how I look at it. Did you guys see the receipts video that the social media team posted? I haven't. Watched I gotta the video imagine yet. there's one waiting saying like Trevor Lawrence over Herbert stuff like that thirty eight to ten. Uh-huh. They probably have another one like on deck for each round. <laughs> Also, another thing that I just feel really good about, Dougie P, man. Dougie P looks happy right now. He's got success in the playoffs uh, with a team that had no business winning the Super Bowl that year without Carson Wentz. So, I like Dougie P going in the playoffs. We haven't seen it from Staley. 
though, yeah, give me the Jacks this week for sure. And then a playoff uh, prop, I, I think you already mentioned it, uh, Tyler, but Eckler, anytime touchdown, love that a lot for sure. Um, but yeah, it'll probably be the closest game of the weekend, though. It'll be the game to watch. It'll be fun. All right, well, let's move on from our Saturday slate and move over to Sunday. And to start, we have another likely blowout, and that's going to be the Dolphins at the Bills. Uh, the Dolphins are officially without Tua this week. They're rocking with Skylar Thompson. Uh, the Bills are coming off, obviously, one of the most horrific situations we've ever seen in NFL history with DeMar Hamlin. Um, but he's all healthy now. He's been discharged from the hospital. Um, so that's all good. And it was almost like a movie script last week. Um, with the Bills returning that touchdown in the very first play of the game, and they do it later on in the game. And Josh, it was weird because it was like three years and three months since the last yeah. return. Everything was three. Yep. That Josh Allen had like three touchdowns. Like the possession time was like 33-33. Like it's it's fucking weird, you know. But um, but yeah, it seems like this yeah, Bills team is a team of destiny, and Vegas seems to agree, putting them at a minus thirteen and a half spread against the Dolphins and Skylar Thompson. So I'll toss it to you, man. What you got? Um, I don't think the Bills are the team a team of destiny. I think they are destiny. I think they are that's destiny has has chosen them as the team forever. Like they are just they are what destiny is after everything that's happened. Um. Mostert is probably also out for the Dolphins as well. So they're going to be rolling with Jeff Wilson, it looks like. Um, I mentioned it to you guys earlier, but it is absolutely wild that there are two seventh-round rookie quarterbacks that are going to be starting playoff games. Skylar Thompson's one. We talked about the other in Brock Purdy earlier on. Um, I will say Jalen Waddell has had 100-plus yards both times against the Bills this year. So I think that he... If there's anybody that's going to have a good game um, for them, I think it's – I would take him probably more so over Tyreek. Um, and that's what it's going to come down to if you're looking at props in this game is which wide receiver are you going to take? Are you going to take Hill or are you going to take Waddle if, if you're forced to take a Dolphins uh, wide receiver? Um, the other thing that I will say is only one player in the last 20 years has had 100-plus yards three straight times against the Bills. Do you know who it is? It was in 2011, 2012. And it's a team that the Bills play quite frequently. Edelman? Yeah. No, Wes you're on Welker, the right Wes Welker. Uh, God. Gronk. Randy Moss wasn't there then at that point, was Gronk. It? It's Gronk. It's Gronk. Bang! From so downtown! Boom! Let's go. So that's what, uh, that's, that's what Waddle's trying to accomplish this week. Um, Dolphins had the second most penalties in the NFL, and the Bills were 14th. Um, little referee tidbit on this game. Brad Allen, his crew threw the third most flags per game this year. So there is seems like it's going to be a very heavily, heavily penalized game. Um, last little bit, betting nugget. Since 2014, underdogs are 8-2 and two against the spread when going against a divisional opponent in the playoffs. So we've got two instances of that this year. Um, I love the Bills in this game. I don't think it's going to be close. My favorite spread of the week is Bill's alternate spread, minus 19 and a half. Yes, 19 and a half. I think that they win this by three touchdowns. Um, I don't think it's close. I think that with DeMar Hamlin, there's probably going to be in attendance at this game as well, which just means 
that crowd is going to go crazy. The only thing that kind of benefits Miami is the time of the game, being that it's at one o'clock instead of like a Saturday at eight or something like, or Sunday at eight, because you get that Bill's mafia liquored up, man, it's a whole different animal. At least they've only got a couple hours to, uh, to, to tailgate before this game. But yeah, I don't think there's much more to say about this game other than that, you know, good season on the dolphins. It just sucks that how it ended with Tua and everything, but you, they've got no shot in this game. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. Like, I could definitely see the alternate spread hitting for sure. Um, but this is like out of all the systems in the NFL, this is one that is less dependent on the quarterback. You know, like they did just catch a dub this past week with Skylar Thompson in there. Uh, we've seen. I know. I know. We've... They didn't score a touchdown. Yes, that's that's very true. <laughs> it's very true. <laughs> they still have Tyreek Hill. They still have Jalen Waddle. And even though Raheem Mostert is sitting, Jeff Wilson has looked good so far this year. Um, so Who won that bet, by the way? Him. Him. I have to eat a um, jalapeno next, uh, probably by the end of the season, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll bite it. Actually, <laughs> I have a jalapeno in the fridge right now. I could do, but for time constraint, for time constraint we'll, we'll hold it till the end of the season. Smart, man. Smart, man. Um, but yeah, I I don't know how I feel about the spread. I'm kind of iffy on that, but I obviously like the Bills in this game. As you mentioned, they are destiny. If you look destiny up in the dictionary right now, it's a picture of Damar Hamlin and the Bills. Uh, but Mitch, what you got, man? Yeah, this is probably the least interesting game of the weekend. You watch Skylar Thompson have to play in this game. They're just going to beat down on them. Uh, I'd like to touch back on like the Jalen Waddle thing. I think they might allocate a little more coverage than they have before on him and maybe Tyreek slips off something he might get his anytime touchdown or anything something like that but I don't see this being competitive I don't see a world where Skylar Thompson can actually function and Mike McDaniel likes to do passes over the middle they have Matt Milano there he can just play in a little bit of his own soft coverage in the middle and it just eliminates about half the plays they have that work especially with Skyler Thompson, so I don't see this being anything to worry about. I agree with Tyler. This is going to be a barn stomping. They're going to curb stomp them. They're just going to beat the hell out of them. This is not going to be a close game. Well, and you talked about it earlier on, Mitch, where that game in in Miami, you know, there was yeah. – everybody was like, oh, Miami's going to win the division. Maybe they're Super Bowl favorites. You don't think that that's stuck in the back of the Bills' mind? And Miami was pretty damn close with them in Buffalo. Um was that a couple of weeks ago? I think it was yeah. Christmas, week before Christmas is, is when it was. So, yeah, Buffalo won that, but I'd imagine that they're going to come out pretty damn motivated. I yeah. mean, Miami did act like it was their Super Bowl that night. So, there's there's got to be a little bit of blood boiling at this point to see it come that close in the two games. They're going to want to prove something in this game to show that they are the owners of this division. For sure. All right. Well, we... As sad as it is for me to say, like, I keep handing it off to guys that actually have teams in the fucking playoffs, and it makes me angry. Uh, but <laughs> I'm going to hand it off to Tyler North, whose very own Minnesota Vikings play the Giants at home on Sunday. The spread is minus three. So, Tyler, give us your thoughts on that. Yeah, you know, looking back to that game um, on Christmas Eve, the Vikings had a punt block with about four minutes to go in that game um, that they got, and they scored a touchdown on that possession and went up eight. Obviously, the Giants came back down, scored, got a two-point conversion, and then Vikings got saved by a 61-yarder by Greg Joseph. So, yeah, this game is extremely scary for me um, because I do think that 
what the Giants do really well is something that the Vikings struggle with. Uh, Brian O'Neill tore his Achilles last week, so he's out this week. It does look good for Garrett Bradbury. He practiced in limited on Wednesday and practiced in full on Thursday. So I think that the Vikings will be getting their starting center back, which is a huge sigh of relief because they were on their third string center. Um, it looks like Blake Bandel or Brando, excuse me, who's kind of been rotating when Darisol was out, he was the substitute in for Darisol at tackle. So it looks like if they can get him back this week, which I think that they are, he will be starting at right tackle, if not at Udo, which I'm very, very concerned about that. So there are some question marks there. Wink loves to blitz. The defensive coordinator for the Giants, Wink Martindale, loves to blitz. Um, they blitzed it on 43% of Cousins' dropbacks the first time they played, sacking him four times and hitting him another nine times. So that's 13 quarterback hit sacks that Cousins experienced in the first game. you got to imagine that they're going to do a little bit more of the same. Giants offense. Giants, they use play action at the fifth highest rate, and Danny Dimes completes it at the third highest rate as far as his passes and play action. The Vikings defense has allowed the second most yards per attempt on play action and the fifth highest completion rate on play action. So that bodes well for the Giants as well. This is sounded like you're telling us to take Giants here. Come on. <laughs> Outside the numbers, Jones was 11 for 15 for 115 yards when they played against each other. Giants 13-4 and four this year against the spread, which is the best mark in football, 7-1 and one also on the road, and they've covered four straight. No, there's no way I can go with the Giants. I look at I look at these numbers, and I think that, yes, everything is pointing to the direction of the Giants. I think people are underestimating the Vikings. I really do. I think the people are looking at the Vikings as this is a team that went 11-0 in one possession games, got absolutely trounced in those other games. But the Giants also were in a bunch of closely contested games as well, which I think bodes well for the Vikings because the Vikings were much better in those closer games than the Giants. The other thing, the Vikings are home. You put this team on outs outside on on you know natural grass or something of that relevance, it's a completely different game. You saw what happened in Green Bay. Justin Jefferson couldn't stand up. Jair Alexander took full advantage of him. Odori Jackson in or not, I still think Justin Jefferson goes for 150 yards in this game. They're going to do everything they can to get him the ball. The blitzing does concern me a little bit, but I think at the end of the day, the Vikings do have enough to get past the Giants, which in my opinion, as a Vikings fan and how the season's gone, that is a bare minimum for the playoffs. You have to win this game. You have to get past this game. You set yourself up with a, a credible regular season to win this game. Last thing I'll say, two rookie head coaches pretty damn cool to see both these coaches really flourishing in their first two years. And I think both franchises are really on the up and up with their coaches. As a Vikings fan, I'm extremely optimistic for what KOC is going to do in the years to come. And I know that Giants fans absolutely love Dable and what he's going to do in years to come. Uh, my final prediction on this game might sound a little bit crazy, but it is 28 to 14 Vikings. Two score win? Yes, I think the Vikings Rarity. do get enough, enough the Vikings will get enough stops on defense, and I do think that Daniel Jones will make a critical mistake at a point in the game when they're down by seven, which ices the game for the Vikings. Which will late, effectively late end Danny Dimes' career in New York. I don't yeah. know about that, because if he does play decent, I, which I think he'll still play well, because the Vikings do have a pretty porous defense, um, but I think the home crowd is going to be a completely different factor in a playoff game in one, I know it's very biased, but in one of the most electrifying atmospheres in football. Um, and believe it or not, Kirk's been there. 
Kirk's done this before. You know, that that's something that none of these Giants players really have to, to go ahead and say Kirk's been there. Thielen's been there. Uh, Patrick Peterson's definitely been there. Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, all these guys have been around for a good amount of time where they've had the experience in the playoffs. Zadarius Smith, Daniel Hunter, all these guys have had exp playoff experience where I don't think the Giants have anywhere near the playoff experience that the Vikings have. And the close games. If it's a close game down the stretch, the Vikings, why would we think otherwise that the Vikings are going to win a close game? If it's a one-possession game, why would you think that the Vikings wouldn't win? They're 11-0 in these games this year. Did they? Did the Vikings rest their starters last week? No, After they had to time. play for. They wanted to get the second seed. So okay. They, no, Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins played the entire second half. Well, they were up. At Madison. Like Madison had two touchdowns. Dalvin did get a little ding, dinged up, but he came back in, so I'm not worried about that. Jefferson didn't play in the second half. Thielen didn't play in the second half. Hawkinson didn't play in the second half. And I mean, they won, but nobody really played. Okay. Okay. Um, personally. I've got a weird feeling about the Giants in this one. Uh, you mentioned a lot of good points pointing towards the Giants' way, uh, which I'll just take and uh, add on, copy and paste to my argument for sure. And we look at the last game that they did play against each other. I mean, the Giants looked like they were going to win that game the entire game. And until the Vikings basically stole a 61-yard field goal at home uh, to win the game. So the Giants should have won that game. And you look at the recent performances. Um, oh shit, yeah. Uh, but you look at the recent, say, recent performances from the Vikings. Uh, the Packers game comes to mind, where they absolutely got trampled. And this is a Giants team that I know this. We can get fucked up by with this by on the power rankings for sure. But this Giants team did beat the Packers earlier on in the season, so you got to look at that. Um, Brian Dayball. So the Vikings. Yeah. Uh, Brian Dayball, I could say the same thing about Kevin O'Connor, but Brian Dayball really seems to be on a mission right now. Um, he's gotten his team to the playoffs in his first year, so you know he's got to love that. And his starters, a little bit more well-rested than Minnesota, possibly. I mean, they did play the first half. The Giants starters didn't play at all, so that's maybe something to consider. But, um, yeah, I think because the Giants should have beaten them last time, I think I'm going to take the Giants against the Vikings. Mitch, what you got? I, I kind of want to touch back on what Tyre was saying about O'Neal, Bradbury, and just Ed Ingram being a starter on this offensive line in general. I, I kind of worry for the health and safety of Kirk Cousins with what Wink Martindale is going to scheme up in this game. Kirk's been pretty good under pressure this year, but I feel like it's only a matter of time before it catches up on him. And Dable is not going to call anything where Daniel Jones has to be putting himself in the situation where Tyler described where he makes a boneheaded decision. He's going to give him the easy out and he's going to take the check downs and they're going to try to get the guaranteed yards with Saquon. And with, as Tyler would describe, a porous defense, I feel like there's going to be a lot of safety nets to just get those five to six yards when they want to. It's just a matter of. To me, which Kirk Cousins shows up? Are we seeing 1 p.m.? Are we seeing prime time? Because we're right in the middle right now at 4 p.m. <laughs> It'll be interesting with Kirk. Well, if I, the Vikings lose, it's a, a prime time game, yeah. and if he wins, it's a it's not a prime yeah. time game. That's how that's gonna that's how that narrative is gonna be. Fun. <laughs> I could 100% see the Vikings win this game, but 
I'm going to take the Giants just because I think Dayball gets them fired up after the loss the last time. They're rested up, and there's a lot of injuries on that offensive line, and Wink is going to capitalize as much as possible. But I do like TJ Hawkinson, if you can get him in the parlay of some sort, over four and a half catches, because there's going to have to be a safety net. And Jefferson runs a lot of downfield stuff, and with the way Wink blitzes, you're going to have to get it off within two to three seconds. And Hawkinson is not going to be that downfield presence. He's going to be their safety net if it's not a Dalvin Cook or an Alexander Madison. So I'm going to take Giants on both because I think they'll be able to pull this off. I will say our um, couple of our, our bets that we like in this game really quickly, Saquon, anytime touchdown. And then the big one, that I I personally liked. I love this Kenny, one. Kenny Galladay, anytime <laughs> touchdown. He scored his first touchdown last week for the Giants. Uh, it's hot. I think I think there might be <laughs> something brewing in in New York with, with Galladay as possibly emerging as a at least a red zone target for them. Um, and then one prop that I like. I know Mitch might not agree with it. Jefferson over ninety three and a half. I still think that he's going to absolutely ball out in this game. Easy. And, and I think that he goes well over hundred. I I said like I like I said I like him at one hundred and fifty. Oh, I took them on both. I took both guys in the same game parlay. It's just I feel more confident in the catches of Hawkinson. I'm also uh, – I've been sitting here mulling another prop for this game, and you mentioned the blitzes from uh, Wink Martindale. They're going to be absolutely ferocious, and one of the guys that's going to play a large part in that and has had a great last half of the season, Kayvon Thibodeau, man. I like Kayvon Thibodeau you personally over know half about the... that. Yeah. <laughs> man, too soon, <laughs> motherfucker. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, Kayvon, I like uh, him over a half a sack in this game, too, if you can find that in a prop somewhere. Um, but, yeah, all right. Well, that does it for our picks for this game, Giants-Vikings. Okay, so, uh, the last game on Sunday, the primetime, the game that we got is not going to be as exciting as we hoped, uh, especially considering the Lamar Jackson news that we talked about earlier. But it is the Baltimore Ravens at the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, the spread in this one is Cincy minus eight and a half. Um, I don't, I don't think there's much to talk about here. No Lamar. Uh, this Cincy team is looking even better in the back half of this season than they did last season when they made the run all the way to the Super Bowl. You know, so I, you give all those guys another year. They've been here before. They, this is a young group that actually has legitimate playoff experience which is hard to find you know so i like the Bengals, and i don't know if there's much to talk about man minus eight and a half i love that spread that's my spread of the week i don't think there's a ton to talk about in money line i feel like the ravens are going to play them hard though they played their hearts out last week and they rested their entire offense they didn't even have their backup quarterback in so i think they could make it a game but i don't think they're going to pull it off in the end. I think it's going to be Moneyline Bengals, but I think the Ravens cover that spread. And just like a quick thing on the Lamar Jackson stuff, he has a very serious injury bordering on like levels of surgery almost with what where he's at in this injury. And the way it was kind of communicated, it sounded like the Ravens front office was trying to scapegoat Lamar into sounding like he didn't want to play for his own money's sake. And I think it's going to come down to between him and Harbaugh this season. One or the other goes. And if they can't find a meeting point with Lamar, it's probably Harbaugh. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, the Ravens' future will be determined in this game, I think. What do you think, Tyler? I think this spread is a little bit sneakier than you might think. Um, Anthony Brown is not great, don't get me wrong, but the Ravens were somewhat in that game last weekend. A couple turnovers here and there, and the game might have been a little bit different now. The Bengals didn't have much to play for, considering that uh, Kansas City won on Saturday. So there, there was nothing really to play for for them. A um, couple of things to note, since he's looking to win playoff games in back-to-back years for the first time in franchise history, they've never done it before. Uh, Bengals receivers have the most yards in the NFL after contact. And a quick betting nugget, since 1992, when teams meet in the final week of the season and then meet again the following week in the playoffs, the over is 11-2. and two. Um, I think Bengals win this game. I, I'm flirting with the spread. I, I, uh, I guess I would – I honestly, I would probably lean Ravens. I think that the Bengals win it by a touchdown. But I can see the case absolutely being made where the Bengals win this game by 10 or more. Um, so, yeah, I'm, not much to say as far as that. I, I do think Huntley is serviceable. I think he's okay. I don't know if Huntley necessarily is going to lose you games, but I don't know if he can win you games either, which is what you need in the playoffs. So, um, Gus Edwards, I think, is still out. He hasn't practiced all week. Ronnie Stanley did practice, which bodes well for the line there. Um, and I think Marlon Humphrey is is ready to go as well. So they should have those guys back. I think, like Mitch said, they're going to play this game really hard in the sense of the deep, it's going to be a defensive-minded game, trying to control the clock. The one thing I will say for the Bengals, Alex Kappa getting hurt last week is very That's big news. Because him and Lyle Collins are now out. So these resources that you brought in in the offseason to shore up the line, you're right back to where you were last year. I know Maybe you got worse. away with it. I know you got away with it last year, but can you get away with it again this year? Remains to be seen. And the Ravens, you know they're gonna blitz. You know that they're gonna try and play this defensive minded game. So uh I like the Bengals to win the spread, like I said, I'm fifty fifty on it. Especially coming off the edge. I mean, you mentioned uh, David Ojabo has been playing awesome ball since he came back uh, from his Achilles injury before, right before the draft. And uh, Adafe Owe is still there, you know. And you just signed Roquan to the contract. Patrick Queen's playing well right now. Kyle Hamilton's playing out of his fucking mind right now. So that defense is, I mean, it's formidable for sure. But I definitely still like Cincy. And I see a big game from T. Higgins, too. He's got an illness going into this game, so I think... He's a little bit of a sleepy pick for a prop. I don't know what his lines are set at, um, but I do like that. So, All right, let's round it out with our Monday night game, and that is the Dallas Cowboys playing in Tampa Bay to visit Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, the spread in this one is Dallas minus two and a half. Um, I'll go ahead and start with my pick for this one, and I am going to go the Dallas Cowboys, man. And really, it's not. I've been I've been shitting on Dak. I've been Dak's biggest hater for the past six weeks. It seems like, um, but this running game for Dallas, it's still there, and it is one of the best in the NFL. And there's no question about that. Um, you still have C.D. Lamb brought in T.Y. Hilton, who seems to be looking pretty good right now. Um, you brought they cut James Washington, so they obviously feel pretty good about T.Y. Hilton there. Um, especially going into the playoffs, cutting somebody, it's particularly interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I think this Cowboys it, offense is still clicking. I think Dak will get it together in his first game back um, in the playoff atmosphere. Um, and this this isn't like you guys want to say Tom Brady. Tom Brady is going to lead his team in the playoffs. This is classic Tom Brady. 
I've been telling everybody, man, this is not Tom Brady anymore, man. This is an old man. This is a senior an citizen. Old divorced man. Yes, this is a senior citizen. Like, this isn't like... That's like saying, like, Deion Sanders today could go out and fucking play corner, strap up. Like, no, bro. Well, he's missing two toes. Yeah. That's not fair. <laughs> That's fair. But, like, any any sort of example like that, man. Like, this is not the same Brady. This is a guy playing in a Brady uniform, you know? He has six interceptions in his last five games, which you don't love to see going into the end of the playoffs. Seems like he's put everything on his back, so his body can't be holding up that well. So... I don't think this is the same Brady. I don't think he's a clutch. And honestly, McCarthy and Kellen Moore are a little bit on the hot seat going into this one, especially if they have another first-round exit. So I like the Cowboys with the motivations going into this game and Brady just not being Brady in it. So I'll hand it off to uh, Mitch next. What you got, brother? I think this is the battle of the headlines at this point. It's either are the Bucks going to tear this entire thing down because Brady could have been done in the playoffs and he's going to move on elsewhere in the offseason, or is Sean Payton coming to Dallas? Because that's got to be the headline. Because McCarthy, at this point, back-to-back 12-win seasons, and you have no playoff success to show for it, there's no excuse at that point. You have the talent. Regardless of how deep this wide receiver room is, you have two extraordinary running backs. The offensive line might be a little banged up, but you have guys that would be starters on most offensive lines still there backing it up. You have Micah Parsons, who is going to be a defensive player of the year candidate. Shervon Diggs not giving up a thousand plus yards this season. They're running out of excuses for him. They can win games, but they don't win the meaningful games. And at this point, it's one or the other. It's either they're... He's going to actually succeed, and he's going to survive for a few more years, or San Fran's going to blow it up. And personally, I think Dallas is going to have to get rid of Mike McCarthy and find a different way this offseason. I think Brady is just starting to click. We didn't get to see much of him last week, but when it came down to it, him and Mike Evans were insane. That was Brady's best game in years. Through for 450 yards. Evans wins for over 200 yards and three touchdowns. Clearly, they have something in the tank left. And I think while they're running on E, they're going to make it to a destination. I don't know if it's going to be the Super Bowl by any means, but they're at least going to win a playoff game. Okay, fair enough. Tyler, what you got, man? I got the Bucs here. Um, Bucks held the Cowboys to 71 yards rushing in the first game. I know it was week one. Um, couple of things. Tampa is getting Vita Vea back. That is huge. The Bucks were six and two this year when Vita Vea and Akeem Hicks were both healthy. Uh, I will say this. The Bucks were four, 12 and one against the spread this year, which is the second worst mark of any playoff team ever. So that's not very good. Dak. Now these two things are why I think the Bucks end up winning this game. Number one, Dak has an interception in seven straight games. I think it continues here with his eight straight game. And then the biggest stat of them all that you know is in the Cowboys, back, back of the Cowboys' mind, it's in Mike McCarthy's mind, Tom Brady is 7-0 and all time against the Cowboys. He has never lost to the Cowboys in his career. I don't think it stops here. I agree with Mitch. I think that the Bucs are – this is when they start to click. Everything is aligning for them – to do really well. If they win this game, then they go probably to Philly. Well, we'll see what happens because the Giants, if they beat the Vikings, 
then the Bucks go to San Fran. But if the if the seeds all hold suit and they all are, I guess you know they all hold at home, then the Bucks will go to Philly. Well, what's going on in Philly right now? Well, Jalen Hurts has got an injury. Who knows what's going to happen there? The Eagles haven't been playing their best. Is everything just lining up for the Bucks to make a big Super Bowl run? I understand this isn't Tom Brady of the past, but these are the type of things that happen for Tom Brady to make Super Bowl runs. Is the cards all aligned? You've got Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Brock Purdy, Jalen Hurts, Daniel Jones, and I think I'm missing one other guy, uh, Gina Smith. Those are the quarterbacks in the playoffs besides Tom Brady. Like, there's no Aaron Rodgers. There's no Justin Herbert. There's no Patrick Mahomes. There's no Josh Allen. There's no Joe Burrow. I know Jalen Hurts had a really good regular season, probably finishing second in the MVP. But what did Jalen Hurts do in the playoffs the last time you saw him? Oh, that's right. He got absolutely smushed by this same Bucks team. And they, I know they scored 15 points, but that 15 points came in garbage time in the fourth quarter. So there's nothing that gives me confidence in any of the other NFC quarterbacks. Yes, I'm wearing a Vikings jersey, and I'm a Vikings fan, and I'm saying this about Kirk Cousins, okay? But there's nothing that gives me confidence of any of these quarterbacks. Quarterbacks in the postseason is a very, very, very important thing to have. And if you've got the GOAT, I'm rolling with the GOAT. Mike McCarthy has shown me no postseason success there. Dak Prescott really hasn't shown me any postseason success. What's he got? One playoff win, I think, in his career? I don't... The way the Cowboys looked last week with all their starters in against a depleted Washington team, I had as much as you want to sit and say that the Bucs haven't really clicked and this isn't Tom Brady or the Bucs of the past, this Cowboys team does not look good in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'll play devil's advocate there. I mean, the Commanders, we were we were very happy to be playing the Cowboys in the last game of the season. Like, we just wanted to fuck you to the whole league for not making it. So I, I think we were going to win that game no matter what. Uh, and you started a rookie quarterback. Yeah, yeah. But against the, against uh, this defense is supposed to be one of the best in football, and they have really high uh, pass rush rates and all this stuff. And Washington did whatever they wanted against them, in my opinion. Yeah, no, they did. They did for sure, and it made me so happy to watch. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm still gonna rock with the Cowboys. I guess I'm alone in that. Um, but yeah, that does it for our uh, Super Wild Card Weekend preview. Uh, before we sign off. Let's break down the rest of our playoff predictions headed into uh, Super Wild Card Weekend, and we'll break it down uh, all the way through the Super Bowl. So, Tyler, I got your graphic up right now. Give it to us, man. Yeah, so next weekend, um, after, you know, I've picked all the winners for this weekend, my next weekend picks, man, I want to take the Chargers so bad. And before the Mike Williams news, I had the Chargers beating the Chiefs. But with the Mike Williams news, I got to revert back to Kansas City at Arrowhead at home in the playoffs. It's kind of hard to go against Patrick Mahomes, especially against divisional opponents. But the Chargers have had success in Arrowhead. I was in attendance for one of those games that Justin Herbert and the Chargers did come out victorious against the Chiefs. Um, But I do have the Chiefs winning that game. Um, And then I have the Bills and the Bengals. And I I think that's going to be kind of like what the Chiefs-Bills was last year. That's kind of the vibe that I'm getting of the Bengals-Bills game this year, this year, where I think whoever wins might go to the Super Bowl. I think the Bills come out victorious. They're Destiny's team. I don't think anything's slowing them up. The week after that, I mean, I mean, the, in the NFC, the games after that, I've got the Bucks against the Eagles. I've got the Bucks beating the Eagles. I just alluded to that. Um, I think that Tom Brady's going to make a magical run, and I'm not betting against Tom Brady. I've done that too many times in my life, and I'm not doing it again. Um, and then on the other side, San Fran and Minnesota, 
This is where the truck stops for Kirk Cousins and the gang. I do think San Fran wins this. If this game was in Minnesota, I think that the Vikings would actually have half a shot in San Fran. I don't see much of a shot that they've got, especially against that defensive front. Um, that's why that Packers loss was so big for the Vikings because it ruined the chances of getting the two seed and the two seed was huge for home field in the second round. Um, so in the NFC championship, Bucks Niners, Tom Brady taking down Brock Purdy in his hometown. Um, I, I just, I, I'm not going against Brady. That's, that's all that I'm going to leave it with. And then Bill's Chiefs rematch of last year's, uh, probably game of the year last year, maybe game of the postseason in a long time. Um, I do have the Bills coming out victorious this time. If that happens, just a reminder, that game will be in Atlanta. It will not be in Kansas City. It will be in Atlanta. Uh, it will be a neutral site game, but I do have the Chiefs winning. And I got Josh Allen and the Bills taking down their arch nemesis, Tom Brady, in the Super Bowl. What a storybook ending it will be for Buffalo after the DeMar Hamlin news to finally have one last hurdle to get a, get over. And it's the guy that has haunted your dreams for over two decades, and you finally beat him, and the Bills win the Super Bowl. Sounds like a hell of a uh, storybook ending for sure. Uh, Mitch, you got something similar? What you rocking? I do kind of like the Buffalo Bills storybook ending. If <laughs> I didn't have a team in these playoffs, I probably would be betting on that. But I'm on the polar opposite end of that Chiefs-Chargers thing that Tyler was talking about. Honestly, they're tight no matter what when they play at this point. Unless one of the quarterbacks is completely out of this game, it's going to be tight. And the, I know everybody says the cliche, it's hard to beat a team three times in one year. But when we're finally getting healthy outside of Mike Williams, who we didn't have for the last game, but we also didn't have Rashawn Slater or Joey Bosa, who should both be active for this game. It could be a massive difference. I worry about Kadarius Tony and all that because he is a new element to this offense. But I think we handle our business. I think Herbert shows up in the bright lights, and these are going to be the bright lights. And then I don't think the – I think the Bills are going to be fired up compared to what they had in that last game against Cincy. Plus, they'd be at home in this game. So that's quite a bit of an advantage for them. They'll have Bills Mafia – even more in attendance than in the game before. So I think they would also handle business. And then on the NFC side, I think that San Fran will handle their business against the Bucs. It's Tom Brady versus his hometown team, but I think that San Fran team is just too complete for the Bucs to compete with. And then it's the Eagles versus Giants. We just saw it last week, granted against backups, but it's going to be Jalen Hurts with two weeks of rest in between. He is going to be fine. And I, I just think that they're going to be outmatched. Same thing. A lot more talent than what the Giants have to offer. And it's going to lead to a pretty interesting NFC Championship game that I was kind of torn about. It's just a matter of Jalen Hurts in that game, in my opinion. Whether or not he can actually play to the ability we saw right before the injury. But I don't think he's going to be quite to that point. And even if he is, it's going to be a tough game to decide. And I think San Fran's going to win that one. And, of course, I'm going to take the Chargers against the Bills, even in Buffalo. Why not? <laughs> and then it's going to be a battle of the Southern California teams. L.A. versus San Fran, repeat of the one Super Bowl. We lost by, like, 40 points, and we're getting redemption because Mike Williams will be back by the Super Bowl. Wow. <laughs> All right. Staley walks away after almost losing his job with a Super Bowl ring. Nice. I think he comes out pretty fired up this week. He's going to game plan his ass off because he has to cover his own ass this week. 
Very true. Very true. And he has to cover his ass these whole playoffs, apparently. And it, it the covering assness will lead him to the Super Bowl. Sean Slater comes back. That's just that's how long he needs to cover. Fair enough. All right. That's the X factor. Not a homer pick at all there for sure. Not at all. Nah. It's not like I have enough money on this that I need at least to this weekend before hedging actually becomes like profitable. <laughs> all right. Uh, good shit. I will super short and sweet go through my uh road to the Super Bowl that I have predicted. Um yeah, so obviously we made all of our picks this week. Um but in the next games, I've got Casey walking away with a dub over Jacksonville. I don't think it's going to be too close. Um I do think Cincinnati beats the team of destiny in Buffalo. Um this Buffalo team hasn't looked as good as they have going into the playoffs in the past 2 years. Like I this team despite last week which they had two returned kicks for touchdowns like they had the josh allen has been terrible like i mean not terrible but he's thrown an interception consistently in every single game like i mean it's he's he's kind of turned it around the last few weeks mm -hmm. he He ended up with the same stats as last year pretty much so yeah but toward it you don't like to see this kind of performance from josh allen down the stretch and Cincinnati, just like they did last year, I mentioned it earlier, they're probably having a better stretch to the end of the year than they did last year when they went all the way to the Super Bowl. And this year, they actually have, they've actually been there. They have playoff experience. So I do like Cincy to beat the team of destiny that is Buffalo. And then moving on to the a, uh, NFC side, I've got the Eagles taking care of business against the Giants. Um, we've seen it earlier in the year prior. Uh, the Eagles have taken care of business against the Giants. And I do believe that Jalen Hurts is motivated by all this playoff talk. I mean, there's a lot of guys saying that he can't get it done, that he's not a franchise guy, and he can't. Uh, he wasn't able to do it in the playoffs. So I, I do like Philly going and beating the fuck out of Giants. Um, and then San Fran beats Dallas. Uh, I do like Dallas uh, more than most, but this San Fran team all around is just a better outfit. Um, so that leaves us to the NFC and AFC Championship. We got the Chiefs and the Bengals, and damn, the Bengals have been the Chiefs' bugaboo uh, for, I mean, I believe they've won. There was that crazy stat on Monday Night Football. Yeah. It's like the Mahomes, only, Mahomes has never beaten Burrow. Yeah, like the only the only team to have beat the Chiefs like consistently is the Bengals. I forget what the exact stat is, but they have been the bugaboo of all bugaboos for the Chiefs. Um, but I think Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey have heard enough of that. So I think they're gonna take care of business against Cincinnati this time. Get that monkey off their back and move on to the Super Bowl against. The Philadelphia Eagles, who end up taking care of business against San Fran. And what I really think that comes down to is I don't see Brock Purdy, a seventh-round pick, making it to the Super Bowl. I don't. He- Last pick in the draft. Not only Mr. seventh, irrelevant. but Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, man. Like, that's the story that that would be. Storybook ending. Yeah, it would be phenomenal for sure. But he has no playoff experience, obviously. He's a rookie. He he has the farthest thing from any playoff experience. He was Mr. Irrelevant. So I can't – I love the swag, but I can't see him carrying it into an NFC Championship dub. Uh, Jimmy G could be back. 
Mm, but do another, they play him? That's another wrench in it. Do they play he him? He could be back mid-January. That's I'm with Kane, though. Do they I'm play him? Kane. Do they play him? I, I mean, think. why not? Because Brock Purdy. Hot hand right now. I think it might not be that hot. <laughs> it could be an ugly game against Seattle. Who knows? Yeah. I also think that if Jimmy G does come back and you don't play Purdy, that might bring some pressure to Purdy that he hasn't had all year, knowing that there's somebody right there if you fuck up. That's going to yeah. come back coming for you. Right. It's a lot of mental shit to be dealing with, though. Like, if you have Jimmy G on your back, you're Mr. Irrelevant trying to win an NFC championship. I don't see it happening. So, yeah, give me the He's Eagles. playing with house money at this point. Purdy has nothing to lose. That's the truth. <laughs> uh, but that leaves us with a Chiefs and Eagles Super Bowl. I know, super surprising. Two number one seeds going at it. Um, but I will go the Chiefs in this one. I don't think that the Eagles can carry it out. I think this is where their storybook ending just ends right here. I don't know if I would call it storybook because the Eagles have been dominating all year. Um, but yeah, I think that the Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey grabbed their second Super Bowl together and they ride off into the set. That's my picks, man. All right, boys. Well, that does it for our uh, playoff preview and especially our Super Wildcard Weekend preview. Uh, we will be out with uh, another episode after this weekend to recap all the action that happened and what we think going forward into the next weekend. Um, but, yeah, go ahead. Make sure make sure you're following us on Instagram because we're going to be putting out the, uh, the parlays. I think we're going to do some stuff on either our story or a post of that. And then we're going to be putting out our picks not only for this weekend um, but across the entire – playoff as well so make sure you're following us on there and maybe i'll throw out a tiktok too maybe we'll get tiktok rolling again for the playoffs how about that yeah i was thinking to see like we haven't been on this shit so long that i like i mentioned maybe we do an ig live at some point maybe before the games like that'll definitely happen if not this weekend next weekend um but yeah it's playoff football man it's here upon us and we are fucking juiced so have fun this weekend. Hopefully, all uh, take our uh, props with extreme consideration, and sure. hopefully, you win some money, man. Throw two bucks to win eight hundred or whatever the fuck it is. Especially if you throw in that Kenny Galladay prop. Uh, but yeah, good luck everybody this weekend. <laughs> Let's have a hell of a first weekend of playoff football. Twenty twenty three. Catch you guys next week. Peace. Peace.